This is the time in our service where we take a look at what the scriptures teach, what the Bible has to say to us. And I was thinking this week, um, we really are a church. We want to be a church where newcomers, where people who are new to the faith, maybe uh, don't have that much exposure to it, can come. And I know that when some folks think about what the Bible teaches or even the Bible itself, uh, they may think of it as this sort of thing that's very removed from their life. Um, I didn't grow up in a home that was uh, specifically Christian, and um, we had a Bible in our house. It was on a bookshelf, and um, it was about this thick. Uh, did, you, did any of you have one of these Bibles at your house? It was about this thick. It was leather. It wasn't leather. It was fake leather. Uh, and it had a picture of Jesus levitating on the front. And uh, my impression of it was that it was just something that should stay on the shelf. And it was something that was sort of far away. It wouldn't really matter to me or mean anything to me. I, I was thinking of this way of thinking, maybe some of you know this poem or maybe the beginning of it. Emily Dickinson wrote about the Bible. She said, the Bible is an antique volume written by faded men at the suggestion of holy specters. Well, that's not something that sounds like it makes any difference to my life. It sounds like it's sort of far away. And even if you get the Bible off your shelf, you might think that the Bible tells about an ideal life and faith which is strong and people who are virtuous and the only people that could ever think that that's what the message of the Bible is are people that never got the Bible down off the shelf and opened that really thick volume because when you find out what the Bible has to say, when you open it up, you find out that the people of the Bible are strugglers and they're going through difficulties that look an awful lot like the difficulties that we go through and not just, listen, not just difficult parts of life but also faith which is really difficult. So we might have problems in our lives and we think, okay, if I become a Christian, then it's really going to start happening for me. Then things will smooth out. Then things are going to be okay. But when you look at scripture, it doesn't say that at all. It says what we are invited into in a life of faith can sometimes be very difficult. And I don't tell you that in order to make it seem really hard to be a Christian. I want to give you encouragement that the steps of faith and trust that we take can be ones in which God works in our lives even when things are really, really hard. I know some of you know that. And I want each one of us to be encouraged in that way. And so what we are going to do in the next number of weeks is we are going to look in a new sermon series called Trust the Process of Faith. We are going to talk about this word trust. What it means to trust God and not just trust God in ideal circumstances or not just trust God when things are hard and if we trust then things will be good. But we're going to be looking at people in the Bible, folks who had engagements with God, people who were in hard circumstances, and in those hard circumstances, they chose to trust God. And it didn't make their life perfect. It didn't take them to some higher plane where difficulties were never affecting their life, but it gave them something to walk on. When you trust in God, it gives you a place of foundation to walk upon. So each week, we're going to look at a different person from the Old Testament and look at their lives. And I'm going to give you a little description of some of the things that we're going to be talking about, some of the ways that their lives were really difficult. And as I read these out, and we're going to talk about or see these specific stories, see if any of them resonate in your life. We're going to look at a person who was mistreated by others, even someone very close to them, and how they were able to trust in that situation. Does that resonate with you at all? We're going to look at somebody who, someone who didn't feel strong at all and didn't feel strong enough to face the situation, the really hard situation that they were in. 
We're gonna look at someone else who wanted something really good for a really, really, really long time and didn't get it, but still had to trust. We're gonna look at someone who felt alone in the world and had to trust. So each week, we are going to look at those stories, stories of people who needed to trust the process of faith. And we wanna look at that so that it will make a difference in each one of your lives. Each one of you, as you come here, some of you might say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, I have been. Great, I want you to trust. And some of you are saying, well, I might be, I used to be, maybe, and I want you to be able to trust too. So the person that we're gonna look at today is our friend Abraham. And Abraham, some of you might be very, very familiar with Abraham. Even if you're not familiar with Abraham, that's okay. But I do want you to know this. Abraham has a significance in the Bible, which is maybe unparalleled. Do you know that in the New Testament, when it talks about the people who are following Jesus, it says they become children of Abraham. So Abraham is kind of this exemplar. He's this significant person who shows us what it means to trust in a really difficult situation. One more thing about Abraham. Um, You'll hear sometimes people call him Abram. And then other times people call him Abraham. Don't get mixed up. Those sound pretty much similar. It's just that some point in his life, God renamed him. He took him from being Abram to Abraham. And Abram means father, and Abraham means father of many. So Abram means daddy, and Abraham means big daddy. All right? So let's look at big daddy and see what he has to teach us now. We're going to look at Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen? Amen. Let's ask God now to teach us about Abraham and what it means to trust. Would you please pray with me? Let's pray. Dear God, we want to learn today, and not just learn in our minds, but I pray for each person here that we would learn in our hearts and in our bodies and in our breath what it means to trust you. We thank you for Abram and his example, but we thank you even more, God, for your spirit that leads us. Be with us now, be in my words, be in all of our thoughts and in our hearts. I pray that you would help us to know how much you love us. And I pray that you would give us the strength to love you back. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna look at two things when it comes to trust. That's what we're talking about today what it means to trust God. We're gonna look at the difficulty of trust and then we're gonna look at the blessings in trust. The difficulty of trust and also the blessings that come with trust. The first thing that we're gonna look at is the difficulty of trust. And again, I wanna talk about the difficulty of trust because in a gathering like this, I know that there are people who may not be Christians. I know that there are people in this gathering who may be Christians and think that if you become a Christian and if you trust in the right way, things are going to get real smooth. The things will be easier in your life. And I will tell you this, when you trust in Jesus, it is true that in some ways your life does get easier. And by that, I mean that you can know that Jesus is walking with you and faithful with you and being present to you. 
that God is with you, when you trust in God, that he is walking with you. But it doesn't mean that everything will just get easy. We see in the life of Abram, we're gonna see this, that his life remains pretty difficult. That his life becomes one that is one that God is really with him, but it still is really, really difficult. And you see this in the very first verse because God is calling him to do really hard things. Look at, look at verse one. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So look at what's happening here. This isn't just that his life was hard and then he trusted and things got better. Actually, what God was asking him to do, this is important, what God was asking him to do, the trusting part, that was the hard part. It wasn't just that it was hard circumstances in life, trust in God, things get easier. The actual thing that God asked him to do was really hard. And you can see in the way that it's worded here that you can see the progressive nature of how hard it is. Look at, first he says, leave your country, go from your country. That's pretty hard to go to a place maybe that people don't speak your language figuratively or literally. So you go from your country. But if you go from your country, it's okay if you still got your people with you. Nuh-uh. Then he says, go from your kindred. He has to leave from his kindred. Those are his people. The people that he knows that he's comfortable with. His tribe. You know, when people talk about you're with your tribe, you want to find people that are like you. God says, you got to go. And then he gets even more. Leave your father's house. Your father's house. That's that's your family. That's, that's, when you all go home tonight, you're going to be like, I can't wait to get home. You get in your house and you can exhale. You can sit on the couch that you love and you can watch TV and you can eat your comfort food. That's your father's house. And in this call, the way that Abram has to trust, he has to leave all of that. He has to leave the things that are most comfortable to him, that provide him with security. And God says, you have to leave. You yourself, you have to leave. But wait, it gets worse. Look at, look at, where is he going to go? Where is Abram? You have to leave everything that's secure. You have to leave it. You have to leave your security, your country, your house. Where are you going to go? Does it see? You see it? It's to a place that I will show you. He's not going to tell him exactly where he's going to go yet. It's a place that I will show you. Where am I going to go? I will show you. So Abram not only has to leave what is really, really comfortable, he has to go into a future that he isn't really very sure about at all. And that is the nature of trust. I want you to know this, that as a Christian, as as followers of Jesus, when you follow Jesus, very often you're gonna be asked to come from things that are very secure and you have to go into a situation which you're not gonna fully know. You have to trust things that you're not really sure about at all. Like let's imagine that you see me out in the foyer after church. You come up and you say, Vito, excellent sermon. And I say, yeah, I know. And... um, (laughs) You say, uh, I say, I have one more bit of information for you. Uh, I'd like you to go on a trip with me. And you say, all right. And I'll say, here's the thing I'm going to show you. And I give you a folder, and it's got the itinerary of the trip. And it shows you the hotels that we're going to stay in. And it shows you how we're going to get there, the trains and the automobiles and all the different places that we're going to go. And you can take that home with you, and you can go on Yelp, and you can look at the reviews of the hotel Say, I'm not going to stay there. They have bed bugs. Can we find a different place? I say, okay. But you're going to look at the itinerary and you decide whether to take that trip. Who do you have to trust when you decide whether to take that trip? You're trusting yourself, which is okay. You're trusting yourself. You say, I 
I'll do that. I can see that this is something that I'm capable of, and I'm going to do it. I like this trip. But let's say that I was out there in the foyer, and I said, I want you to take a trip with me. And you said, where is it? And I said, I'll show you later. Well, how are we going to get there? I'll let you know. How long is it going to be? I'm not so sure yet, but I will let you know. Who do you have to trust then? You have to trust me. You have to trust the person who's making the call. You have to say, is he trustworthy enough for me to leave my comfort zone, the things that I'm comfortable with, and now I'm going to go with him, and I'm going to be the one who's in charge. And here's the thing. In a life of faith, you have to let go of the possibility that you're in charge. You have to let go of your conception of things. You have to let go of all these things that make you feel secure. And now you have to go and you have to trust one who is trustworthy. Because in this life, there are going to be people that are going to invite you in all kinds of ways, but there's none who is trustworthy like God is trustworthy. But it means that you're not going to be in charge anymore. And it means your life is not yours anymore. I mean, you know that your life isn't yours, right? You know that anyway, whether you acknowledge it or not. That your life is not your own. But now, when you enter into a life of faith and trust, that has to be real for you. You really have to put it on the line. Now, let me try to give you some practical examples. Let me try to give you some practical ideas of what I mean by this when you say you're leaving a life of comfort. It's going to be different for everybody. But what would it mean for you to leave a life of comfort, your father's house, your kindred, your country? One way to think about it is you might be asked to leave a thing that's really comfortable. Maybe the thing that's comfortable to you is your life of work. Maybe you've invested in your life, your vocation. You've gone to school. You've worked really hard to create this job for you. It's a financially secure job, and it's all there. And this is the thing that you really rest on. When it comes down to it, you think, this is what really is where I stand. And it might be that in some ways, God is asking you to trust and say, this can't be your security anymore. Now, you might be listening to me and you say, well, does that mean if God calls me that I have to leave my job? And my answer to you is when I was about 27 or 28 years old as a pastor and somebody asked me a question like that, I would give you the specific answer. I would say, God wants you to do this. God wants you to do that. He doesn't want you to do this. But I don't do that anymore because I've gotten a little bit more wise and I realize that I'm not the one that can make that pronouncement to you. Only God can. But what I do know is that sometimes God asks you to leave things that are really comfortable, to leave things that make you feel really secure, and to go into a life in which you'll walk with him and that you'll take steps into a future that you're not entirely sure about. Let me give a couple more at sort of uh, ways of thinking about what your home country, your security is. For some people, it will be a job. For some people, it'll be financial security. I don't want to do anything that's going to put my finances in jeopardy. That's what you're trusting in. God says, no, you have to, you have to trust me. Or some people want to have their, their main security thing, that their, their home country is being with people who are a lot like you. I like being my, with my people. I like my people. God might call you into a place where you're with people who are not like you. Or you might say, my security really is me putting my family's needs first. Me and my family, that's where it all begins. And God might call you into a place where you are going to have to not have that be your security. It's something else. Maybe your home country is, I'm always, I'm always right. I want to be right about this thing. God calling you into something new. 
The point is that you have to listen for God's voice if you want to trust, and that is difficult. That's why we're talking about the difficulty of trust. Let me find a a different way to talk about it. We were talking about leaving things that are secure. He might lead you into something into the future, which is hard, and you're not sure about it. Let's say as you're hearing my voice, let's say even as you're hearing everything that's going on, you're thinking, I think God wants me to serve in a new way. I think God wants me to serve in one of the ministries of Renaissance. I've been thinking about it. I might have a new idea for a new ministry. I might want to be part of an organization that's even outside of the church, but I'm going to do it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to want to know how it's going to go. And I'm going to want to know that it's going to really work right. But when God calls you into something, he's not going to make that promise. He's the promise. He's the one who is the trust. So you can't say, I'll do this. I'm going to be the one doing it. So I want to know it's not going to compromise to me any things. No, no. The difficulty of trust is believing that the one who leads you is going to be faithful to you. Not the plans, not the project, but him. And that's the difficulty of trust. Let me say one more thing about the difficulty of trust. It doesn't just happen in one instance in your life. You don't say, I trust God. I did it at camp when I was 16. I trusted God. I did it when I was in college. I trusted God when I joined this church. You're going to have to keep doing it over and over and over. So Abram right now is being told, I want you to go to a country that I will show you. He says, where? God says, I will show you. Later on in his life, Abram is promised by God, you're going to have a son. And he's very old and his wife is barren. He says, How? God says, I will show you. Over and over and over in Abram's life, he is asked to trust God. And that's the difficulty of trust. It's going to be hard. But that's the call. That's the first thing. Now, here's the second thing. And it's the blessings of trust. And you can see this in the second verse. I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Abram is told here that it's not just difficult. When God calls you, it's not, hey, these are going to be a lot of difficult things. You're going to leave this. The promise is that there's going to be blessing in his life. And all of these things are things that in the ancient Near East would have been great things. I will make of you a great nation. That means he's going to have lots of children. He's going to have lots of people. Progeny, which is this great blessing, especially in the ancient Near East. And I will bless you and make your name great so that he will be renowned, a person of character that he'll be a person of virtue that others will see and admire and want to emulate. And so that you will be a blessing. So when I talk about the blessing of trust, what I'm saying to you is that the promise that when you place your trust in Jesus, when you place your trust in God, God promises to be near you and walk with you always. Now, listen to what I just said. I just said when you trust Jesus, that'll happen. The truth is, is that God is close to every single one of you. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what your faith or lack of faith is because scripture tells us in the book of Acts, Paul says, in him we live and move and have our being. That means in your home now and in your life now, God is present. Paul says he is not far from any one of us. He is not far from you. But the promise and the blessing of trust is that when you do trust in him, He is going to be close to you like a father and like a friend, and he's going to walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. Is that true? It's true. So the blessing of trust comes when you trust in God that the same kinds of blessings that God blesses and and promises Abram here are yours. 
to be, to be blessed in a way that fills you up, to be blessed in a way that gives you the comfort of his presence, even in difficult situations. And the thing about, I'm talking about these two things as if they're different, difficulty of trust and the blessing of trust, but they're all mixed up. When you go out and you follow God in trust, you're gonna know the blessing. And when you know that blessing, it's that difficult choice that you made that's gonna be the result of it. So that they're all kind of mixed up. When I was a little kid, uh, two blocks from my house was the ice cream store that we always went to. It was called the Frosty Boy. Had a little logo of a guy that was carrying a, um, a cone that was as big as he was. Uh, they didn't have that there, but the cone that I got, I always got the twist cone. That was my favorite. It kind of still is. Chocolate and vanilla swirl. Did anybody else like that? And when I would get the twist cone, I would always try to, for a while, only lick the vanilla and then I would turn it, and then I would lick the chocolate. I really liked the vanilla better, but then I would kind of go. But the more that time I would lick this cone, uh, they began to mix up and swirl up so that by a couple minutes later, it was all mixed up. You couldn't tell one from another. And it's the same thing in trust. The difficulty of trust brings you to the blessing of trust. And the blessing of trust makes you see that the difficult choice that you made in following God just resulted in blessing. They're all mixed up together. So here's a principle in life. If you want to receive God's blessing, if you want to receive it and have it in your life, that is a good thing, but you will only get it by following after God and trusting. Another way to put it is this. If you want blessing for yourself, you'll never get it. But if you want to be a blessing, if you place your trust in God in, in a difficult way, leave what is secure and go out into the future that God has for you, you will be a blessing. You'll receive that blessing and it will flow through you. If your main goal is, I really wanna be blessed, I wanna have the vacation home and I wanna have security and I wanna have family around me, I want blessing, you won't get it. But if you follow after God, and you follow him into even difficult things, if you follow him into being a blessing for others, then you will receive that blessing. It will come through you. And the blessing that you are promised by God is one that does have to flow through you. Take a look again at verse two. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Do you know what, I would guess if I talked to each one of you, I know each one of you has had difficult situations in your life. You have difficult situations in your life right now, but I suspect each one of you would say, I have blessings in my life. Is that true? Would you say that, that God has blessed you? Do you know what those are for? They are so that you would be a blessing. They are so that they would flow through you like a river and that they would flow out into the world. Now, I gave some examples of what it would be, mean to leave your security and go out into the world. Let me give some examples of what it would mean for you to be a blessing. I've got a few. Here's the first one. You can be a blessing by coming to church. I mean just doing what you're doing right now. You guys could all be at brunch. There's good places over there in Madison and Summit, and there's lots of nice places. You don't have to be here. But you've chosen to be here. You've chosen to leave security and you've chosen to be here. Now you can be a blessing. Do you know how? Because you're seeing the people around you. And there are some people around you who are struggling 
and there are some people around you who have some hopeful situations that they want to talk about. There are some people around you who God is moving into a place where he might really be using them and they need encouragement from you. So that when you are here, you're being blessed. The music and the songs and the prayers and God is filling you up. He's saying, leave that secure place and I'm gonna bless you and it's so that you will be a blessing. It's no small thing that you do when you get up every morning on Sunday to come here. It's not a small thing for you to actually see the people around you, for your lives to get all twisted up and mixed up with the people around you. That's one. Here's another one. To show hospitality to your neighbors. There are people that God has put across the street from you and next door to you and in your cubicle at work. And those are people through whom God wants through you that God wants to bless. And it will only happen if you don't keep all of that blessing with you. It has to flow through you like a river. You know, one of the things that Abraham does later in his life, there are some strangers that come by his house and he invites them in for dinner. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? I like having people over to my house that I already know and that I already like. But Abraham, in his life, he had some people come by and he invited them into dinner. And it says in the book of Hebrews that because he did that, he entertained angels unaware. You know that? That the people that you don't know, that you invite for dinner, invite for lunch, sit down and break bread, have a cup of tea, they might be God's messengers in your life that give you blessing. And it will only happen if you don't hold that blessing for yourself and that you extend it out into the table. Here's a third one. You've already heard about Team World Vision. You've heard about the mission that they have to bring water and sustenance to people who need it. You're going to be invited in just a little bit. I guess you already were, but you will again. To run or walk or financially support, to be a part of this organization which is bringing health and wholeness to the world. The only way you'll do it is to get off of that place which is really secure, probably a couch, and to move out into a place where you're walking where it's difficult. Let me give you just one more, and that is to be a blessing to people around you in friendship. One of the hardest things there is to do is to really share who you are with the people around you. When we come to church together and we find out about one another's lives, there's some real value in that to encourage one another, but there are gonna be specific people maybe that your life will get wrapped up with where you can really share who you are and they're gonna share who they are with you. And the only way that will happen is if you let go of that blessing and you let it flow through you and to give it out to somebody else to be vulnerable before them and then they're vulnerable before you. I went up to the Hudson Valley last week and I went hiking up near a big reservoir. It's actually the reservoir from which much of the water that New York City drinks. It comes down from this reservoir down. And as we were up there hiking, it was a pretty high altitude, we found and saw uh, basically a creek, some springs kind of flowing down over some rocks and some moss. And we went walking up to it and we put our hands under it and it was cool and cold and it tasted delicious. And we drank that water that was just coming right down off the mountain. Now, do you know why we knew we could do that? Because it was moving. Because you don't want to drink stagnant water. You don't want to drink water that's in a dead pool, literally. The only way that water can heal you and sustain you is if it's moving, if it's going through. If it just sits, you don't want to drink it. If it just sits, it's dead. If the blessings that are in your life are staying with you, they are dead. 
If the blessings that God has given you are just going to stay with you, they're never going to bless the world. But when they flow through you, they'll bless you. But they'll also bless the people around you. So my dear friends, the call of God is going to call you to trust him, to leave things that are secure, to go into a future that you may not know, to leave your father's house, to leave your country, to leave your kindred, and to go into a place where he is gonna bless you abundantly, and you are going to be a blessing. Isn't that a great way to think about what God is doing? You are a blessing, and you are a blessing, and you are a blessing, and you are a blessing. It's gonna take me a long time to do this. There's about 200 people. You are a blessing. Say your own name in your mind. Say it quietly. Serious, I'm not kidding. Say your name in your mind quietly, and then say, is a blessing. Arvi is a blessing. Justine is a blessing. Christian is a blessing. Andy is a blessing. Each one of you is a blessing. Trust God that that's the case. Trust him. Amen? Amen. I'm supposed to pray first. You don't have to applaud. I, I forgot. I got real excited. I'm supposed to pray. They, were, they wait for the prayer, and then they come out. So pretends. Yeah. Dear God, thank you for timing and not so good timing. <laughs> Dear God, thank you for your call to us to be a blessing. Help us to trust you. Help us to leave what is secure so that we can follow you. Help us to walk out into the future that you have for us. You have a future for each one of us. I'm so glad for each person here. Show them the future you want them to go out into. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.